0: Welcome back to the Death and Grief Talk podcast. My name is Joelle Maldonado. I'm also known as The Grave Woman, and I'm your host. One of my favorite people in the death care industry is my friend, Melissa Meadow. Melissa is a licensed funeral director who specializes in eco-friendly burial and disposition options. Melissa is an educator as well as dog mom to her grief therapy dog, Kermit. I recently had the chance to sit down and discuss quite a few things with Melissa, including the amazing work she's doing through her brand, The Modern Mortician, the dark side of working in the death care industry, struggles with mental health, healing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, and finding her place in the death care industry. Melissa, welcome.
1: I'm Melissa Meadow now. I legally changed my name. Okay. Uh, and I don't care how good did that, but yeah, I am Melissa Meadow and still online as the modern mortician. Um, I wanted a name that was mine. Uh, so I had grown up um, with parents divorcing and fighting over whose last name we were gonna have. And I wasn't seeing marriage in my near futures. So, something that I wanted for me.
2: Melissa Meadow I like that it's like mysterious it's sexy it's sensual it's you (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) so I was telling you that you just look so amazing well first of all let's back up a little bit for those of you who are living under a rock and you don't know who Melissa is Melissa why don't you just give us a brief introduction
1: well I am Melissa uh known online as the modern mortician um I've been running this game for six, seven years. I guess that's why my feet hurt. (laughs) Um, I was one of the first online influencers educating about greener options. And it started with like green burials, like in my backyard, basically not really, but like in my area in Austin, Texas, I kind of chased that dream and went online to educate people about those options and have been here ever since. And that's how we connected was online. Yes. uh, It's been amazing to see you grow. And let me also say you are radiant, radiant as well. Congratulations on your marriage. Awesome. Thank you. So happy for you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And while we're talking about marriage, thank you so much for these beautiful earrings you sent me around the time I got married. I'm rocking my naughty coffin, moonstone casket earrings which are beautiful um we'll give you all the information on how to support melissa through purchasing through naughty coffin she has amazing amazing merch. let's talk about death t-shirt but realized it was in the dirty clothes because i wear it like three or four times a week but um i was telling you before we kind of got started that you just look amazing and it's not just physically i literally can see your energy radiating like i you your energy feels peaceful, it feels happy, it feels joyous. What is responsible for that glow and what is responsible for this shift in energy that you have?
1: Oh, wow. Um, It's been a work in progress literally over the last couple of years, like from the time I decided it was time to leave Texas. I was focusing on getting to a place with a better climate um, and in a state that all the death care options that that were being progressive were already legal and so I moved here in October of 2020 to Washington to work for a couple of different funeral homes that it was just not a good fit they they weren't ready to be progressive but the the hard road led me to where I am now and I have landed at a place that truly values me and is excited about everything that I bring to the table and I'm living like in the woods. (laughs) So I've been doing some like connecting on with um, like my guides and things like that through a friend named Bear Ballantyne. And she's been helping me like work on myself and heal what I need to heal to move forward to help others in, in the best way possible. And then along with a little bit of uh help from my doctor and <laughs> the right antidepressants this, is, this can be a very hard field
2: you know i'm so glad that you're so transparent about what you've struggled with as far as mental health as far as not fitting into the right funeral homes because i think so many of us um myself included, are so eager to get into this industry because we have such a desire to help people. We have such a desire to support people. And then we're morbidly curious. We're curious about what happens when we die to our physical bodies and a lot of times to our spirits. And one of the things that people just don't like to talk about is how much of a mental and spiritual drain it can be to find where you belong in this industry. Cultivate or be in a culture work-wise that supports who you are as an individual and express yourself spiritually through the care that you give to others. It's like you get into the industry, you go to mortuary school, you get your license, you do your apprenticeship if you're lucky and you're thrown in to the wolves basically because what they don't tell you is that you become a part of a very unhealthy system. Any thoughts? Anything you want to add?
1: <laughs> I will say that I had managed to stay out of corporate funeral homes and the traditional funeral homes for the last, you know, four years or so prior to moving out here. You know, I was running a green cremation business in Texas. Um, it was a it was a shock to see that so many families were still doing some of the more traditional things. Um, but I was reminded of how salesy it really was behind the scenes, especially when I worked for um, a corporation uh, that's known nationally. Their goal, they had students working for them so they could pay them less than a licensed director because in the state of Washington, you can throw your apprentice right out without any supervision, it seems like, or at least that's what was going on. And and you've got these folks that are untrained and have no other background in death care other than what they're being taught. And it becomes so predatory so quickly. They send in salespeople first. Um, those families think the salesperson is their funeral director. And by the time the funeral director gets in, they're angry. They're mad. Um, at times, we were so busy at the different funeral homes that I had worked at in the Washington state, I mean, in Washington state that... Families were a number at that point. It was churn and burn, churn and burn. And I, (laughs) you and I've been there, like not every funeral home is like this and it's genuinely, genuinely, there are better experiences out there to be had because I feel like, yeah, you know how I feel. I feel like these corporations, like a lot of people that get into this for the right reasons sometimes get burnt out and leave it or, or they get swallowed.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I've worked for, I believe the same corporation, um, at one point, and I felt like a salesperson in both the cemetery side and the funeral home side, and especially believe it or not on the embalming side as well. Um, what, what I'm, I'm not saying that these professionals that work in this environment are bad people. The system that we're put into as professionals, as students, as apprentices, does not allow room for anything other than numbers. Yeah. yeah. And there are funeral homes out there. There are individuals like yourself, like myself and other professionals that are out there that are talking about this. And for a long time, it was very taboo. And that is what attracted me to you, honestly, was mm-hmm. that you were just like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to tell it like it is like, I'm going to speak my mind. And I love that about you. Um, so you mentioned, um, your struggles with mental health and your struggles with finding your place to just fit into this industry. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a long, hard road. (laughs) Um, For the longest time, I didn't work for a place that gave me insurance. So I didn't go to the doctor. Um, This business is hard and I worked myself hard. I made myself available 24/7 for the startups that I worked for. Um, I wasn't getting time off, paid time off and I wasn't seeing a doctor. So by the time I actually did get insurance, um, uh, I had some PTSD issues to deal with. I had some depression and anxiety issues to deal with. Um, but I want people to know that this business doesn't mean you're going to have those things happen too. I didn't have a good support system at home. I didn't have a good work support system. Um, I was being, I was the focus for being attacked online and I wasn't receiving it well. So my energy was negative going out too. Um, but finally getting to a doctor, seeing a therapist, talking to a spiritual healer, um, like I said, Bear Ballantyne helped me work on myself um, and, and focus on grounding techniques to help with my anxiety. Um, I wanna say that for those people that have suffered with mental health issues, this is a great month for that because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, there's a place for you in death care, even if you're on the autis- autism spectrum or Asperger's, or you know, there is a place for you in death care. Um, it may take you a while to find it keep educating yourself until that place opens up for you because it took me what 2002 to, tw- to 2022 20 years to find it I'm, I'm praying for all of you out there and putting it into the highest that it, it, what I've been through doesn't happen to other people, because I was so eager to work that I worked for some villainous folks. Um, But I also worked for some great people too and learned great things um, and met great people along the way. So I guess the summary of this is don't give up. There's a place for everyone in death care.
2: I appreciate you being so vulnerable about that because there are people out there that even if it's not even something that's caused by working in the death care industry, people have mental health struggles in their everyday life. And that doesn't disqualify you from working in this industry in my opinion it makes you that much better because a lot of the families we work with some families that have a lot of stuff going on and to be able to relate to a family can only make you that much of a better funeral director so thank you so much for sharing that. so what do you do to create a safer place for families what is the melissa recipe if there is one
1: honestly i'm just getting back into the melissa recipe because for the last couple years i was doing it the way that i was being asked to do it um but like i think being more connected with the families like your dress clothes i think You know, we need to get to a little bit more casual place in some areas. Maybe it helps us connect with the families because then we don't look like we're trying to sell to them and it helps us build trust. So the way that you dress, where some people might say dress to the nines on a removal, I say, be a little bit more business casual, keep it professional, but you're in their home. You're a guest in their home. You don't want them to feel uncomfortable in your home. Another thing that's a part of the Melissa recipe that I've seen adapted more than it was when I first started doing this was like the plastic bags um, not putting them out in front of family members when they're in the house without explaining what's going on because I got so much feedback that it was like a trash bag you know Um, incorporating greenery and flowers and stuff into the even simple cremations if the family was going to be there like recycle flowers and I don't know the Melissa recipe is to really just like listen to what's going on outside the business, because that's where you're going to get the best clues on how to treat somebody when you're, when they're inside your business. Does
2: that make sense? It makes 100% sense. Um, my husband and I were watching, um, Breaking Bad a couple days ago, and it was the scene where Jesse and, um, I think Mike are there and the dad finds out the daughter's dead when she overdosed. And she, um, You know what I'm talking about? They're taking her out. They're Oh, okay. Well, there's this scene in Breaking Bad where one of the main characters is seeing this woman and she overdoses. And he has to call the police to inform them that she's passed away. And the removal company or the medical examiner's office comes in or the forensic team takes her out in one of those big black, basically trash bags. And you can tell on the dad's face that he's just completely traumatized by seeing his daughter zipped up in this trash bag. And so when you said that, it made so much sense. However, in mortuary school, they don't tell you that there are any options other than those bags. And those bags serve a purpose, Mm -hmm. but there are other things that you can do to make the experience less traumatic for the person. So I love that you talked about that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about taking care of our mental health in this industry. That sales pressure, that Professor, That pressure to perform, that pressure to be on call 24-7, that takes a toll yes. on your mental health. And don't get me wrong. We all have to pay our dues and be on call and do those things. But I think it's just sick that we, we lose our humanity in a sense.
1: Yeah. Um, our employers push us and push us um, or just the industry pushes and pushes and expects so much. Um, When there's so much technology now that can ease our burden, like using an answering service or using a mortuary service or, you know, having a good relationship with another funeral firm in town, um, paying people a livable wage, that, that will always be the biggest thing. I feel so bad for some of the apprentices that aren't getting paid, that they're having to do free clinicals because I was that, that apprentice. Yeah. Um, I met a lot that, thankfully you know are are working while they're being paid i mean while they're going to school and being paid um so there is some change happening but there are still so many of of our future you know death care ad you know people colleagues that are stuck in a rut and think that that's the only way that it is um, and there are other places that, that that will work with you and i tend to go off on a tangent so you're gonna have to help me get back on track what we're mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: you're fine because I do the same thing um (laughs) we were talking about our spiritual and mental health care um I know for you a big part of your self-care mental health care spiritual care whatever you want to call it is your connection with your service dog Kermit (laughs) I love how you knew that I was going there (laughs) and left
1: who's taking a nap taking a nap so yeah um He's awesome, and the fact that I get to share him with the world and and the families that I care for is awesome too. Um, he's been doing that since he was, you know, four months old. We got into this, and he was the first certified therapy dog in death care and funeral care in the state of Texas. Um, and just him being with me all the time, from you know the beginning, like removals and going to hospices and doing activities in the community. Um, going to school shootings. I mean, just anything we could get involved in. That's why I ended up developing the Naughty Coffin gift shop was to be able to support those endeavors. Um, But yeah, Kermit is a super special dog.
2: He is. He like, whenever I see you post pictures of him online, like the birthday shoot, I was like, oh my God, this is just, this is too much, but I love it. I love it. It's just over the top and I love it. Um, So what does a certified therapy dog do grief therapy dog do
1: so the title is really certified therapy dog i kind of threw grief in there because he's around grieving people all the time there's not a certification for that but at one year of age they can uh begin training uh to be a certified therapy animal but they have to have their basic um it's called the canine good citizenship exam done first so all your basic training you know like being able to put your dog in a sit stay in a busy place and walk out of their site for x number of minutes other things like hot dog hallway and other stuff um but yeah he took his test um and we went through the uh austin dog alliance and they changed their name to the dog alliance they're in cedar park texas um, so we got his certification through them, the training and the test. And then we got to start volunteering at Bow Wow reading for an elementary school where we'd go to schools once a week and kids that didn't want to read in front of their classmates would read to the dog. And, uh, yeah, so that's what a certified therapy dog does is their temperament and their behavior is good enough to work in the public to be insured for X number of dollars. Um, and so you get to volunteer through nonprofits in your area. So if you don't have a therapy dog, those same nonprofits that I would get to work with, you can call them to bring therapy dogs to your funeral home. So you don't have to go through finding the perfect dog. You can find the perfect dog by inviting them into your firm.
2: That's beautiful. So Melissa, you give so much to the death care industry in form of ed- in the forms of education, social media, calling out false information when you see it posted online or in articles, and just making sure that consumers, families, students, and those that are interested in becoming professionals in the death care industry have reliable information. What does working in the death care industry give to Melissa? What do you get from what you do?
1: A lot of heat. (laughs) (laughs) um when I'm working with families and and things like that it makes up for everything that the death care industry hasn't given me um because it has been very difficult from the start like when I first went to mortuary school was in 2002 and that's when the women just were starting to get close to equaling the same number of people men uh in classrooms um again that's 20 years ago um and and now they're dominant um and women identifying are also dominant in the industry, given me an opportunity to reach others. Um, Because even as much as they've hated me and as much as I've angered people, whether it was intentional or not, they have spread my message um, or have given me a little bit more of a platform, I guess. Um, I'm not gonna give the death industry all the credit because a lot of it came from me and from my dog and our hard work and the good people that surround me too. but the death care industry has, has been the challenge that has really kind of helped me grow. Okay.
2: I love that. So this morning in the shower, like that's where I do most of my good thinking. Right. And I was thinking about formal education. Uh We as professionals have to go and obtain at least a technical degree or an associate's degree in order to practice professionally here in the United States. Now there is a, four-year degree and I was asking myself is there a master's level death care certificate degree or certification out there I'm not aware of one are you
1: no and I'm almost afraid that it would be I don't think we're ready for it um because what I've seen is a lot of predatory education online with um people that haven't had the experience to be called an expert like yourself or myself that are creating classes and misinforming people um so i i would i kind of for a while wanted all the states to be equal and i know worldwide everybody's education is different but if we're talking about the u.s i felt like for a little bit it should have been a bachelor's degree for every state Mm -hmm. uh, because we do need business we do need to know more you know about labor uh to protect ourselves if anything going into the industry we need to know more psychology to better serve the families we're taking care of um we don't need to focus on anatomy and embalming so much because there are specific people that that is their thing and there are other people that do great in the front and we don't all have to be great at everything Um. everybody can wear their hat differently. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that segues perfectly
2: into the question that I thought to ask you, mm-hmm. what would a master's level, expert level education for death care professionals look like? And I'm not right. just talking about funeral directors, I'm talking about death doulas. Those that aren't necessarily doulas, but they're, they help people plan and not from an estate legal side, but just having conversations with their families, Mm -hmm. those that assist with medical aid in dying, like what would that look like for you or in your mind?
1: I think that the best way to do it would to have this master's level course, have something from all of it. If you're a funeral professional, you need to learn about death doula work so you can better understand those folks when you're working with them in the public, as they should also work with um, hospice people and hospice people, I mean, maybe have like one of the courses be, you have to volunteer for hospice for six months or something. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this can go, but I think it should touch in everything, like even insurance sales. Mm -hmm. Um, Every the master's level in death, you can't just be good at one thing. You need to at least have knowledge in all of it, I think. Um, I agree. That, yeah, that seems to be the the hiccup I'm seeing in some online education, is that they're informed on their subject, which may be misinformation about this other part of death. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I think that you're 100% correct. I would focus more on disposition choices and options okay.
1: and well, alternatives. I masters and I was thinking, what, eight years? So. Yeah, <laughs> because absolutely right.
2: I mean, even me, like, I don't consider myself to be an expert because I'm always learning, but I have tons of experience. I cannot have an intelligent conversation about aquamation okay. or, okay, um, better. Uh, I'm about to say the word wrong. Recomposition?
1: Yeah, you said it wrong.
2: I said it so wrong. You see?
1: (laughs) Natural organic reduction.
2: Natural Um, organic reduction.
1: Yep. So recomposition, teramation, those are brand names, just like, uh, wait, did I say resumation? I meant recomposition. I don't know what I said. You said recomposition. Yeah, recomposition. Resumation and aquamation are brand names for the water cremation, which is alkaline hydrolysis. So yeah, I I'm totally, yeah, that, that's a way better idea. We do need, everybody needs to be educated on all the forms of disposition, whether it appeals to you or not. And that's, that's a big thing in the industry, like, like with flame cremation, when it got popular, uh, Mm -hmm. the industry ignored it. And then the ICCFA was developed because the NFDA wouldn't pay any attention to it and they were stuck in their ways. They're not so much anymore. But when it happened, this is what the history is. Um, And like, if we're educated on the water cremation, then, you know, we're able to help legislate and get these things legalized for the families that want it so they don't have to fly out of state for yes. that or the composting option, you know? Um, yeah, you're right. So let's talk a little bit about the naughty coffin.
2: How, oh. you? I, I heard you say that that was birthed out of the need to sustain your travels with Kermit. Mm-hmm. You have mag... I have, I think I told you this before, Melissa, your t-shirts are, I think I've had my t-shirt for at least three years. I wear the t-shirts that the two t-shirts that you sent me at least two or three times a week at some point. Awesome. They are the softest, most plus size friendly t-shirt I've ever worn in my life. Awesome. Not only that, the colors that I I hate that I don't have it on, but on that, let's talk about death, have not faded one bit from the first time that I wore it. This is my first time wearing the the Moonstone earrings, but how did you decide to say, okay, this is what I'm gonna offer. This is the t-shirts, the earrings, the jewelry. What was the inspiration behind the items that you chose to offer? Because you could sell anything. You could have offered anything. Why these items?
1: It has just started to evolve. Like, there were other mortuary stores online that are doing an excellent job. Yes. Um, But I needed my own store, um, you know, to support this endeavor. And these things appealed to me. Like, I was looking for coffin jewelry, you know, that was natural or, you know, that that you could wear professionally to work. in some places you can and some you can't, Um, to have the educational t-shirts, like the let's talk about death shirt, or now I've got um, compostable corpse, or I will bury you. Um, They are conversation starters. They are not hiding the fact that you are there to talk about what's on your shirt. And and I was so shocked. I was in the boonies in Oregon Um, on my way to the ICCFA convention. Uh, you know, back when they had it a couple months ago or whatnot, and a man at a convenience store saw my shirt that had the shrouded body on it mm-hmm. and was like, that's a cool burial. He knew! He already I knew!
2: <laughs> that's really was like,
1: cool. yeah, cool, isn't it?
2: That's really cool. So let's shift gears a little bit before I let you go. Yeah. How does it feel to be... <laughs> like the go-to person for green burial like what does that feel like like you've been on PBS you've been on television several times you've I'm pretty sure there's a lot more in the works but what does that feel like like was this anything that you expected back in 2002 when you were in mortuary school
1: not at all it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even taught about. So it, a lot of it was so much self-taught and looking up to mentors like Amy Cunningham and Elizabeth Bournier and the folks at the Green Burial Council. You know, that shared their knowledge with me. I don't think I'm the go-to. I like being one of the one of the go-tos. Um, it feels good because I, you know, this is my niche. And I'm really good at learning and educating about these eco-friendly options. And I really hope more people embrace it just because it's not for you. It's for somebody. And you're doing a disservice to the people in your community, your friends and your family, if you aren't educated on these, these choices and how to get them.
2: I agree. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can learn from you, how they can support you and Kermit?
1: the uh, themodernmortician.com it's finally updated i uh, will have a link to the naughty coffin which is spelled K-N-O-T-T-Y uh, dot com but my Instagram is at the underscore modern underscore mortician you can find me through Joelle um, and I have a link tree and all those good things so and I respond to my DMs. so if you I have, have a, a question I am happy to answer I'm here for you. (laughs) Yes,
2: I can honestly say that you respond to your DMs and rather quickly. Thank you you so much for (laughs) being here, Melissa. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I am just so happy that you are happy and at peace. That makes me, in my heart, just so happy.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope we will be able to do this again.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about our courses, workshops, books, and everything else we have to offer, visit www.thegravewoman.com.